<clears throat> Good morning, everybody. So our theme this morning is remembrance, and um, <clears throat> that's the title of my talk this morning. So if we can uh, bring the uh, screen up when that comes up. Um, and um, <clears throat> I've asked a number of people at random, so if I didn't ask you, it's nothing personal, okay, uh, to do some readings. And so um, what's going to just happen in the next few minutes is uh, different people are going to come up and share some passages from Scripture, from the Bible, about this subject of remembrance. And what we're going to do is look, first of all, at things that the Lord remembers in the Bible, particularly from the Lord's angle, and then things that God asks us to remember from the Bible. So, um, I wonder if I could ask number one. Number one, are you there? Howard, thank you. First readings from Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the son of her womb? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. May God bless us. Thank you. Okay. So here's the situation. God will never forget you or me. And the word forget means to that God has it in his mind, but there is linked with that a sense of action. So he remembers something in order to then carry out his promise. So God never forgets us. So I don't know about you today, I don't know if you had been thinking or have been tempted to think, has God remembered me in my situation today? Then my reply to you is, Yes, he has. Yes, he does. And he's a God who acts according to his promises over your life and over our lives. The second uh, scripture, second passage from the Bible, is uh, about the fact that, uh, well, which is it? Does God remember our sins or does he remember our sins? Let me just read uh, this from... Isaiah 43 and verse 25. It says, I, even I, am he, this is the Lord speaking, who blots out your transgressions, your sins, for my sake, and remembers your sins no more. Now that's great news, isn't it? But then, hang on a minute, there is another passage in somewhere called Hosea, which says, but do they not realize that I remember their sins. So, which is it? Well, I have something just to say, and that is that, do you know that not everybody in the world will have their sins forgiven and will go to heaven and will be with the Lord? It's just a sad reality. But for all those who accept God's free gift of forgiveness through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is complete, unreserved unprejudiced forgiveness for you and I today. And uh, in just a few minutes, what we're going to do is take uh, Holy Communion. And in the communion, it's where we remember what Jesus did for us 
by his body being broken and his blood shed. And as we take of that, we're reminding ourselves that, we, that our sins can be completely forgiven. But I just want to put a challenge out to us right now. Do you know that God has forgiven you your sins? Are you confident of that? Are you sure? Are, 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 are you're happy with the situation you're in. There's no reason why you shouldn't be happy. There's no reason why you shouldn't be completely at peace. If you've said to God, God, I know I'm a sinner and I've gone wrong in my life, but thank you that you died to save me and I want to live my life for you. If that's you, that's great. Your sins, can I say, your sins are forgiven. The, sec- the next one, I'm not going to say second, third or fourth because I'll, I'll get them all around my neck. So uh, the next one, uh, I'd like, uh, could I have uh, reading number three, please? Thank you. This reading is from Exodus 2, verses 23 and 24. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Thank you. So, God remembers our suffering. Have you been through suffering? I've been through lots of times of hardship, difficulty. But the Bible says that God remembers us in our suffering. So I don't know what situation you might be in at the moment, but God remembers. He calls to mind and he wants to do something about your suffering. He takes action with the remembering. The next one, we're not having much joy with the... Oh, it is. I'm sorry. Do you know, I was looking at that screen there thinking nothing's coming up, but it's actually all, all here behind me. Thank you. Great. Okay. So... The next one is in regard to acts of obedience. Um, so, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. And then, in Acts 10 and verse 31 about a centurion called Cornelius. He said, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. And so God remembers every act of obedience that we make, obedience to God, or act of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, do you know what? We have CAP that Ellen uh, manages. And with Ellen go people who help her, go with her, uh, in the process of helping people come out of debt. You know, if somebody does that, that's an act of righteousness. And there's, and God remembers that. Do you know, there are uh, people with different kinds of needs and we support a charity called Save Families. Do you know, every time somebody takes in a child uh, and does something selfless, something to help people like that, that's an act of generosity to the poor. It's an act of righteousness. It's an act of obedience. Somebody said that the blessing of God lies on the other side 
of every act of obedience. And although it costs nothing to be a Christian, because Jesus paid the price, every act of righteousness, every act of obedience we make, God remembers. And there's a blessing for that. I remember somebody saying that they'd saved up some money. This is someone in the church. And, uh, but then God prompted them to give that money to someone in need. Uh, uh, and, but God blessed them as a result. They got more than they gave. So uh, God remembers our acts of righteousness, our acts of obedience. That's encouraging. The next one, could I have number five, please? Come in number five. Just while Vicky's walking here, um, this is to do with a longing to be fruitful. And it's from 1 Samuel 1, 10 to 11. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. The Lord remembered her, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Our longing to be fruitful in this case was the desire to have a child. I don't know if there's anybody here in a similar situation. You're longing for a child. I'd like to pray for you that God will answer your prayer. But it's more than that. I don't know about you. Well, I, I think I do know about you. But within me is, a, don't you desire to be fruitful for God? That, you know, we're not just living this life just to please ourselves or just, you know, we grow old and then die and all the rest of it. But, but I want to do things and you want to do things that are going to last for eternity. And we want to be fruitful and there's a longing to be fruitful. May God help us with that and enable us to be fruitful for him. Could number, uh, no, don't come out number six. That's me. Uh, but number seven, be ready, please. <laughs> so the next one is, um, the Lord remembers us in times of extreme peril, extreme difficulty and problem. And Jonah, uh, we read in Jonah 2 and verse 7, he, he's say, saying this, he's about to die, but God brings him back to life about to be consumed by a whale. Well, actually, I think he was in the belly of a whale or a big fish. My li when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. They say in, in a battle, we've been remembering particularly the First World War, say in the battle, there's no such thing as an atheist. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but God remembers us, us, at times of extreme peril. Could number seven come, please, then? Right, Richard, let me ask you a question. Do you want to read this from down there or up here? I like to be in the spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I can see it clearer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you 
Deuteronomy 7, 17 to 19. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. Thank you. So here's a situation where the people of God were faced with insurmountable barriers to moving forward in their lives. And so, again, I just give this to you and just say, as an encouragement to you, I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know if, if you right now are facing insurmountable barriers and problems to you moving forward or someone you care about. But I just want to say God remembers you at this time. Let's move forward. Um, number eight. I gave that to a young person. In your youth, oh sorry, this is from Ecclesiastes 12.12. 12. In your youth, remember your creator. In the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Thank you. So when you're young, you're full of energy, full of life, generally speaking, and you can think you're invincible, you can think, oh, I can just get on with my life, I know what I want to do, just go for it. But the danger is you could forget the Lord and not have the Lord at the center of everything. And the best thing that anyone can do, young or old, is to have God right at the middle of your priorities in your life. Thank you. Um, number nine, please. Here's a, here's a really interesting one. And I got the, uh, the, the, the local accountant, who's very kindly agreed, <laughs> to uh, deliver this uh, reading. Thank you so much, Paul. Is it down there or up here? It is God who enables you to generate income. So that's why he's given me that one. But in response to that, I would just ask you to explain to my wife why I'm still working 40 plus hours a week at 66 and a half years of age. <laughs> so this is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. <laughs> he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you you may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirmed his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today Thank you. I remember reading this uh, passage a while back and realizing that uh, it's God who gives us the ability to get a job and the ability to, to generate the money we need. When um, Christian Aid, uh, the charity, uh, help communities impoverished in places like Africa, one of the things they, one of the their logos is they help others help themselves. So they'll, they'll sort of dig them a well so that they can help themselves by getting the water out and, and irrigate their land. 
and, and, and I find a principle with God is that, that he might not, may not necessarily just parachute down with 100 quid in it. But he'll give you wisdom and insight so that you can find a way of generating wealth. Now, if you're not able to do that, he'll circumnavigate that for you. But he'll give you the ability to do that. One of the things I find fascinating um, is um, when you think of the Jewish nation and the, the Hebraic people, the Jewish people, you will find in society that they're a relatively a tiny people group. But if you look in industry, in the arts, um, in all realms of sort of business and whatever, you'll find a higher proportion of people who are from a Jewish background who have done really well and are actually, some of them, quite wealthy um, than, than people like me who's English. <laughs> and what's that? I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's this principle that, you know, God remembers his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and God almost can't help himself. This principle follows on, um, even though many of those people don't acknowledge him or walk with him. But it's just a principle, I think. And, of course, we are, are, are not Jewish, but we're engrafted into that line by, through faith in Jesus Christ. The blessing that is upon Abraham is upon us through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the same principle, the ability to be able to help ourselves generate income. And so, therefore, if there's anybody here who doesn't have a job, or who is struggling, I'd love to pray for you, that God will grace you, and the blessing of Abraham will come upon you, and enable you to um, have a job, and have a job that works for you, that you enjoy, and have a job with which you can pay your bills. In fact, I'm going to pray that now, if I may, can I just pause and pray for that? And so, Heavenly Father, I just want to ask you for anyone here today who needs a job, uh, Lord, anyone who needs your touch upon their lives, enabling them to generate the money that they need to live on. Oh God, may your blessing be upon your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so God enables us to generate wealth. Okay, uh, the next one I'm going to do, but could number 13 be ready, please? Um, simply says this about leaders. So it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay, number 13. Who's that? Ah. Um, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 8. The Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Thank you very much. So that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that has the word uh, remember in it. But did you know also 
out of the Ten Commandments, it's the only one that's not directly reiterated in the New Testament that we should be doing. Uh, all the others are, but that one isn't. And in Hebrews 4, it talks about a, we enter into a Sabbath rest when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. But I do believe there is a deeper principle. And this, this is the simple principle from this. That once a week, every week, all Jews, and they still Orthodox Jews still do it today, they stop work at tea time at dusk on Friday night until dusk on Saturday. They do no work. Uh, and uh, th why? Because they're just letting go of that and they're focusing on the most important thing, which is the Lord. And so the challenge, and I think the principle here for us is that, that am I so engrossed in my life? Am I plowing my own trail, <laughs> you know, 4-0, Am I, am I just going my own way? And I'm quite happy to do, to do that. And really, God and his requirements for my life, really, to be honest, are really secondary to what I'm doing. I think that's the point here. And it's a challenge to you and me. And especially as we're just coming towards communion now. What is your position? What is my position so far as the Lord's concerned? Is, is doing God's will in our lives the number one priority? Like it was for the Jews on the Sabbath, they showed that by a special day where they just worshipped him, just rested and just focus was upon him. Is our priority to serve the Lord in our lives, no matter what. And then um, number uh, 14. Is there a number 14? Oh, great. Thank you, Eric so much thank you Eric's made a may I just borrow that Eric um, Eric's made a good observation there's no actual Bible verse on it and he was just asking me if it is a Bible verse it is it's from Revelation chapter 2 uh, and I think it's about uh, verse 5. You're right. I missed that off. Thank you. Okay. Your first love. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Thank you very much, Eric. It's just on the screen here, actually. So um, the Lord was challenging this church and saying, look, you, God isn't the first love of your life. You have other loves in your life that, are more, that mean more to you than God. And this is really the nitty-gritty. This really is the challenge for us. When we think about Sabbath, when we think about this here, and, and the challenge is, listen, remember, at one time, maybe God was the first love of your life. Is the Lord still now the first love of your life? So we're going to uh, take Holy Communion. And may I just explain a little bit about that? Um, we're going to uh, do it slightly different uh, in line with the fact that today is slightly different. Um, and we're going to have four stations. There'll be one here, 
one there. Don't come just yet. Um, and for this group here, um, please, could you come to this one? For this section here, could you come to this station here? There will be one at the back there. So where Howard and Steph are sat and this congregation here, that one over there. And for yourselves over here, there's one where Andy is standing just at the back there. But I just want to read uh, this from um, 1 Corinthians 11, probably up there as well. For I received from the Lord uh, what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so here's probably the most prominent remember passage, um, certainly in the New Testament, where we're remembering what Jesus did for us. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, uh, so we're going to enter into that now. Um, and so I wonder if the, the people who are uh, serving, if you could come out. Now, I said it was slightly different. It's slightly different again in that um, Andy over here, who's just walking down the um, um, aisle, introduced me to a new word. Um, and it's the word, and I bet you all know it, intinction. That was a joke. And probably, I don't know if anybody other than Andy knows what intinction is. Anybody know? Right, intinction. It actually means, it relates to a passage in John's Gospel where Jesus um, was having the Last Supper with his disciples and he got some bread and he dipped it in the wine or the juice, whatever, and then gave it to one of his disciples. And uh, recently we had the pleasure, the joy of being able to visit America. America. Uh, and we went into a church there in a place called Chicago. And uh, I was really surprised because they did this. And I talked to David about this, I shared about this. I said, look David, it is biblical. So do you think we could be all right doing it? And David said, yeah, sounds good. So if it goes wrong, it's, no, it won't go wrong. It's absolutely fine. But just try not to drip on the floor. So um, what, what, what we do, we'll just you know, line up at each, each station. Um, and um, so what you do, you, the, there is bread and there is a bowl with the juice in. So what you do, you break off a bit of bread. And then just same time, just dip it in the bowl, put it in your mouth. Try not to drip on the floor because I'll be in trouble with Denise if, if that happens. But anyway, you know. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to do. Now, just as we're about to do that now then, um, I, would, I would just like to, to pray, uh, touched on several things that God says to remember. And I would just love to pray now uh, and ask that if any of these things relate to you, you say, well, yeah, you know, I need to adjust that or I need to change that or I need to ask God about this then now's the moment just to do that so just before we take this bread in the intinction manner 
Um, I'm just going to pray and let's just reflect and just ask God to be with us and to help us. There was a revival in the United States called Cane Ridge Revival that Stuart Bell, when he was speaking the other night, spoke about if you were here. And the revival was special because what happened was when they broke bread, that's when God came by his spirit. And I'm just thinking today uh, on, this, on this special day that I'm going to pray that God will come to you as you take the bread and dip it in the wine and, and eat it. It is scriptural. <laughs> it is a way of doing this. And ask that the Holy Spirit will come into your situation or into those that you're praying for and will see God move. So he won't just remember, but he'll act as well. So Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks for your goodness. We do thank you for the bread and the wine that speaks of your body broken, your bloodshed. And I pray, Lord, for each one of us as we take the bread and, and, and the wine. Lord, we welcome you. Come to us by your spirit, Lord, and bless us and bless those that we pray for. And um, Lord, fulfill your purpose on the earth through us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.